you're listening to Netcare Pulse. Keeping up to date on all things critical. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Bruce Whitfield, and this is the Netcare Pulse. The most discussed topic in business anywhere in the world, the digital transition. Some are being more successful than others, and I see that Netcare has begun to put digital engagement at the heart of healthcare. Dr. Richard Friedland, Chief Executive of Netcare with us. Richard, this idea that digital does it better than humans, where does it come from, from a, from a healthcare perspective? Well, Bruce, I think this has been part of healthcare for probably over a decade, but is very new within the South African healthcare context. And really one has to go back to examining the relationship between healthcare providers and patients. And one comes to the conclusion that that relationship is essentially flawed. If you look at healthcare spending per capita over the last 50 years, we've had an exponential rise in the cost of healthcare, but have outcomes changed much? And sadly, the answer is no. We've got a scourge of non-communicable diseases, of lifestyle diseases. Compliance is low. Yes, we're living a decade longer. And this relationship between the healthcare provider and the patient is critically important. And what we've discovered is that in most cases, patients abrogate their responsibility for their healthcare to doctors. Excuse me, sir, why have you had exactly. your tonsils removed? Well, the doctor told me. <laughs> why have you had a hysterectomy? The doctor told me. Why have you had your leg removed? The doctor told me. As opposed to taking co-responsibility for your health care and being a partner in that and understanding the consequences of your actions. In other words, we have millions of people in this country who suffer from very high blood pressure, We all know that that would lead to a catastrophic stroke, and yet compliance and medication is between 20 and 30%. In about 2016 and 2017, there was this advent of this concept of participatory healthcare, of allowing people to participate in their healthcare, make the decisions, nothing about me without me. But in order to achieve that, you've got to empower people with their records and you've got to improve healthcare literacy. And what we recognized in Netcare was not only did we need to empower people with their records, but we also needed to be able to explain to them, well, you've now got them, but so what? And we recognized that in a manual paper-driven environment, unless we digitized and were able to give that to people digitally, electronically, we would never achieve what we call participatory health and what we have now termed person-centered health and care because your health is as important to you during the acute episode as it is during your periods of wellness. And so we started on a digital journey of really putting in the tram lines, the tube lines, as it were, of putting in the digital infrastructure across our entire network. And by April next year, we will have completed this across the entire NetCare network, across all of our 10 service delivery platforms. We've chosen four international partners, one being Apple, and we are today the largest uh, customer of iPads for Apple in Southern Africa. And I would guess you could extrapolate that potentially to the entire continent. And by April next year, just in our hospitals alone, 
our doctors and nurses will be using some 13,000 iPads. So we chose them because we wanted the records to be available on iPhones and be available digitally on other phones away from the bedside and so the doctors could have immediate use of patient records. We've also partnered with uh, IBM Watson Healthcare in order to check scripts to make sure that the drugs that are dispensed are the right dosage, there are no side effects. And again, so much of digitization is not just empowering patients, but it is also about improving outcomes and uh, improving safety. And so this has been a massive digitization through NetCare. What I will say is unique to the model that we've put in place is that when we scoured the universe for these kinds of models, no one had based digitization on cost efficiencies. And the only way I was going to get this through our board was to be able to say that there is an adequate return in excess of our weighted average cost of capital or our reasonable hurdle for our IRR. Because in the United States, under President Obama, they'd effectively cross-subsidized the digitization of the American healthcare system. And so we built a financial model that said, even if we had no patient engagement and benefit, there are certain efficiencies to be achieved. And fortunately, we're on the tin in terms of achieving that because it may not surprise you, Bruce, but our nurses spend more time managing records than they do patients. And when we put industrial engineers into our ICUs, we found that our nurses were spending up to 50% of their time recording various parameters from monitors and taking notes as opposed to managing the patients. And so all of our monitors, all of our ECG machines, all of our cardiac cath labs, etc., are digitally linked to this record. And so we freed up an enormous amount of time for our nurses to actually focus on treating patients. And so there are a multitude of advantages that come from digitization. Now, once you've digitized, you now have the opportunity of presenting to patients a summary of what happened in the hospital. If you had a look at it today for someone who'd been in our hospital for three weeks and on our ICU, you'd probably have to give them what was equivalent of a doorstopper or in the olden days, two yellow pages books of records and say, well, you want your records, take them. Now we can give them a single page, which is known as a summary of care. The other element around digitization and patient engagement, and and that's the phase we've entered now, is this issue of convenience. What McKinsey's have shown in a study published two years ago across 3,000 healthcare consumers was they are far more likely to stay within a network if they're digitally engaged. You can get your script digitally, you can make an appointment online, you can do your pre-admission online, you can get your records, your pathology, your radiology results. And all of this empowers the patient in terms of the proximity of their data. And what we've recognized in NetCare is the mobile phone is no longer a phone, but in the coming years, two, three, four years, it's going to be a data device on which you store absolutely everything that's important to you. Now, the single most important thing to you is your health. Without that, none of us can survive. And yet, how many of us have a healthcare app on the front face of our phone? And how many of us use it like toothpaste at least twice a day? And I don't think I need to provide the answer to you. And so the aim here at NetCare is to ensure that our app lands up on the front face of your phone, that it's relevant, 
and that when you need help and when you need to understand your records and what's happened to you and that you don't have to duplicate an x-ray that was done because the provider you've been referred to hasn't seen it or blood tests, you can simply go onto the app and get all of those records. Another key element for us on this app is the ability to geolocate you in an emergency. Now, most people think that uh, when I'm in an emergency, I'll phone 082911 or an emergency service provider, and I'll be able to tell them exactly where I am. Unfortunately, you may be upside down on a highway somewhere and have no idea that you're 20 or 30 kilometers from the nearest off-ramp, which happens to be X. But by registering on our app, we're able to immediately geolocate you. And one thing we know with unstable patients in an emergency is time saves lives. If we can get you as fast as possible, we have a far greater chance of a better outcome for you. So this is the kind of digital journey we've been on. Once you've now been able to put the tram lines in place and give people access to these wonderful digital records, the question becomes, so what? So now I have a summary of my care. You've told me what's happened and what does this all mean? We've realized that actually healthcare literacy, probably globally, but certainly in South Africa, is very low. Most people will download these summaries of care but do very little about it. And so it's not good enough just to give people their records, but it's important to explain why they're important. And we ran a very important pilot in national renal care which is an organization which provides dialysis to patients with chronic renal failure. And when we launched the app and we were giving them their records three times a week, people were downloading them but not engaging because it's the so what. I trust my doctor. I've had the treatment. I've been on dialysis for three or four hours. What does this all mean? Until we said to people the survival rate on dialysis over five years is only 40%. Now, would it interest you to perhaps live a bit longer? And of course, the answer is absolutely. Well, if that's the case, can we show you the parameters that we measure for you that will actually increase longevity if you're more compliant? And of course, our downloads have increased massively and the engagement has increased as a result of that. And so here is a classic example that when you empower people with the information, you explain the importance of it. They become co-responsible in what we call person-centered health and care. This is about me. And everyone's journey is an individual journey, just as our fingerprints are all individual. And so we're at the very early embryonic phases of, A, having now rolled out the digital tram lines, of now beginning this person-centered engagement with people over their lifetime to improve not just longevity, but also quality of life. And then the third part of all of this is data. We are now able to look at data in a very different way. Let me give you an example. Bloodstream infections, what we call septicemia in a hospital, is one of the worst things you can get and in an ICU. In fact, it can cause death in up to 30% of patients. So you can imagine that it's absolutely critical to identify a patient with a bloodstream infection or septicemia as soon as possible. With the data that we're collecting electronically, we can automatically predict septicemia or detect it a good 10 to 12 hours before it becomes clinically evident in a patient. 
simply by measuring four criteria that we are digitally downloading from the devices. And so you can see the power of data combined with digitization that can improve patient safety. Most of the errors in medication are transcribing and understanding a doctor's handwriting, as you would well understand, up to 60 (laughs) to 70% of mistakes in hospitals. We virtually eliminate that because it's all digital. And these are just one or two of the myriad of examples of how digitization is going to transform healthcare from a patient outcome point of view, from a safety point of view, and an efficiency point of view. But most importantly, in terms of empowering people to say, take control of your diabetes, because if you don't, you'll end up with a heart attack. Take control of your blood pressure, because if you don't, you're going to get a stroke. And take control of your health care. You are co-responsible for it. And so that's the genesis and the reason why we've digitized. And it's a very exciting journey that we've embarked on. We're in the early phases. The first six or seven years have been laying the tram lines and now we're beginning this active engagement with patients it's going to take several years and with all innovations there is usually an enormous initial uptick and then a leveling off and often these things take a lot longer to fully integrate throughout an entire customer base after an initial surge of excitement how do you anticipate adoption will happen Yeah, Bruce, that's an outstanding question because I can tell you the adoption risk in rolling this out for our nurses and doctors was the key risk in netcare. And something extraordinary happened. Our biggest risk in the beginning was nurses because most of our nurses had never had a computer, let alone an iPad. We had to use Candy Crush and other games to help teach them this. And yet I can tell you the adoption amongst nurses has been absolutely extraordinary. And I say this to you, we've hardly lost an iPad in our hospitals. And I remember when we rolled out uh, the first pilot at Mill Park, one of our unit managers came up to me and said, Richard, I'm 53 years old. This is the first computer I've ever had. And there has been an enormous joy and pride in our nursing staff. And so adoption has been incredible. Amongst our doctors, it's been difficult. And this we've discovered globally is a huge change and the way of working people are used to manual records they're now expected to be able to now do it digitally and so we've spent a lot of time trying to get doctors to adopt it and we have very specific metrics that we measure to the point around patients the first element of adoption and we're copying this from the united states from china from ping an and from global leaders who've already led this uh, transformation into digitization is to ensure the convenience aspect. And so what you'll see in our app first and foremost is it's really about convenience. You don't want to stand in a queue for a half an hour at six o'clock in the morning when you're about to be admitted for a hernia operation or something, you know, a colonoscopy or whatever else. You want to be able to do that digitally online in the comfort of your home and be able to walk through just as you would in an airport lounge and almost have a QR code type of experience. We're not at the QR code yet, but we're certainly at the pre-online admission. And I can tell you, 55% of our elective patients, in other words, obviously not the emergency cases, are patients that are now digitally engaging with us online and doing their pre-admission. They don't have to wait at six o'clock in the morning having starved overnight 
anxious, worried, uh, filling in their forms and trying to remember their ID yeah. numbers. And so everything around this app at the moment is about how do I make an appointment online? How do I do my pre-admission? How can I buy a product? How can I get my records? And it's all around convenience. This was the comment I quoted earlier from the McKinsey studies that people are far more likely to engage with you, remain within your network. And importantly, what McKinsey's found is when people have their records, they feel they're getting value for money. Tests aren't going to be replicated or duplicated because one provider has them and another provider doesn't. And then I think that the real litmus test of keeping people engaged is this idea of health literacy and being able to explain to them the relevance of that record. And I think that's going to be the big challenge for us. It's not a retail app like you have amongst our big retailers where you're using it two or three times a week. We're going to have to find ways of keeping it relevant for patients with patient information specific to them. And that's a big challenge going forward. Richard, you spoke about doctors and the difficulty of getting them to adopt to the technology going from manual records to digital records. But there is also a mindset shift that has to happen in the minds of doctors that they're giving power to patients. And so often, particularly in in the senior levels of specialist care, the specialist says, look, I've been doing this for 30 years and you want to have a say in your care? Hold on a second. I'm the expert here. I know, you know, you feel this way, but I have facts on my side. You have feelings and emotions. You're not making the best decisions for your future healthcare. Trust me, I'm the doctor. That surely is the biggest obstacle to the future of this relationship. It is, and that's why we have embarked on this journey of participatory care and what we've deemed person-centered health and care that is digitally enabled and data-driven. That's our strategy. Now, interestingly, Bruce, this idea of person-centered health care has come from some of the biggest public sector providers of health care. And I say that it's interesting because most of the big public sector providers of health care are interested in population health the health of large populations. But, you know, we went and looked at work done by uh, the Scottish NHS Improvement Agency and Cancer Care Ontario, very large public sector organizations that evolved models of changing doctor behavior. And this is what we are doing now throughout our group in providing summaries of care, of encouraging doctor engagement with patients and making sure that patients are considered equal. When you've really achieved this paradigm shift, it's no longer, excuse me, sir and madam, the doctor is ready to see you. It's rather, excuse me, doctor, so-and-so, the patient is now ready to see you. I'm not sure I'll see that in my <laughs> lifetime, Bruce, but that's what we want to achieve. It's a cultural change. This is, this is beyond digital. It is cultural. It is a fundamental shift in the way we need to think about our own healthcare into the future. We can no longer absolve ourselves of responsibility. This is the, the entire goal here, exactly. to ensure that we take our medicine, we finish the course of medicine, and we do the follow-ups and we do the checks and we maintain responsibility. We can no longer sort of shift blame for our health outcomes. Correct. And that's why I think we're going to see a paradigm shift in compliance. And quite coterminously and synchronistically, we are seeing a rise in consumerism. And if you look at the three mega trends globally of 
consumerism or customer centricity tied in with digitization and data, this mobile device becomes a data device on which everything about you is stored and people are becoming far more active in playing a role in deciding which practitioner they're going to go to, which procedure they're going to have, and understanding more about it. And so there's this global move and trend towards that that I think is moving doctors. What is the legal consequence of this? If I'm taking more responsibility for my interactions with the doctor in your facility and something goes wrong, does this not complicate the process of compensation potentially into the future? No, because we all sign consent for whatever procedure we undertake. And the difficulty with consent in the past is that we've kind of scribbled our signature on a form without really understanding Mm. what are the potential risks here. Have I been fully informed as to what might go wrong, even if it's in only 2 or 3% of people who have this procedure? And I think the more informed we are, And the more questions patients ask or people ask about their procedures and their health care, the more satisfied and more conscious we are of the outcomes. And we encourage that with patients. And it's when patients are surprised that they didn't know that they could end up, heaven forbid, with this complication or that complication, that problems arise. What is the notion of privacy when it comes to this, Richard? Because suddenly my data is available on a centralized database and I may or may not be comfortable with that. Yeah, it's an excellent question, Bruce. We are fully compliant with the POPIA Act. We are fully compliant with the HIPIA Act in the United States and the GDPR in the European Union. And a patient's information is absolutely sacrosanct to them and confidential to them. And we would never breach that confidentiality. In fact, the record, and this has been an important part of our change management with doctors and staff, always belongs to the patient. We're purely custodians of it. And they give us permission to utilize that record. And we can't utilize that record without their permission. In terms of anyone having access to a patient's record, that doesn't happen. It can only be the treating doctor or a doctor who has been asked to consult on that patient who has access to that record. And as you can imagine, there are certain conditions that a patient may choose not to reveal publicly or on a digital platform. And we respect that in terms of the digital record that is recorded. So this does not allow anyone and everyone to have sight or access to the record. And we have a full audit trail. This is the difference between a manual record. If you now go into an ordinary hospital and a non-net care hospital, you'll see patient records lying all over the place. You go visit someone during visiting hours. What stops you going to the next bed and perusing through the records or the pathology or radiology results? Nothing. You certainly can't do that on an iPad in a net care facility. I certainly wouldn't be able to read the handwriting on the record on the bed next door to the patient I was visiting. So perhaps that is the built-in fail-safe security mechanism of the manual process. But Dr. Richard Friedland, thank you. Chief Executive of Netcare. Yes, it is a digital transition, but it is also a cultural transition. We are going to need to be more responsible for our own healthcare into the future. That was Netcare Pulse. 
Keeping up to date on all things critical. Subscribe now.